0: You're listening to an Airwave Media podcast.
1: Growing wealth while supporting your family isn't easy, but with a well-crafted plan, you can take on anything. Visit planefe.com/hermoney to schedule a free appointment with an advisor today. Because juggling finances can be overwhelming, yet you can find a better balance. Hey everybody, I'm Jean Chatsky. Thanks so much for joining us today for a very special Her Money episode. This month, I honestly cannot believe I am saying this, but this month we are celebrating 10 million downloads of the Her Money podcast. Actually, if I'm being honest, we've already blown through that 10 million mark. So many of you have been listening lately that we reached this milestone sooner than we thought, and we couldn't be more grateful to all of you for tuning in every single week. Earlier this year, we hit our 300th episode. For that, we celebrated with a special mailbag edition of the show, which I hope you'll go back and listen to if you didn't already. And for this episode, we're going to give you more of those mailbag questions that you've been asking for. But we're also going to talk about this special journey that we've all been on together since 2016. I know some of you have been with us since the very beginning. We see you, we appreciate you so much. Her money would not be where it is today without you. And we also wouldn't be where we are today if it weren't for the amazing women I had on my team from the very beginning, namely Beth O'Connell and Kelly Hultgren. They launched the Her Money podcast with me in 2016. Catherine Tuggle launched hermoney.com with me in 2018. Fast forward to 2022, now we not only have the podcast and the website, we've got our private Facebook group, I know I see a lot of you in there, our e-learning programs, Finance Fix for people who are looking to get their spending and saving in line, Investing Fix for those of you who are looking to up your investing game, our free weekly newsletters, our Her Money Happy Hours the Her Money Council and our first Her Money book, How to Money. Wow. And woo, right? Like that is just a lot. And so I knew I wanted to bring all of these amazing women together to celebrate this important 10 million milestone with me. So a big welcome to Beth and Kelly and Catherine. Hi, guys. Hey, Jean. Hello. 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 Beth, let me start with you. So Just for background, for those of you who were not with us at the very beginning, Beth O'Connell was Money*'s original producer. She was one of the first female executive producers at NBC News. She helped lead the Today Show to number one in rating success. She's got multiple Emmys. She also launched NBC Mobile, which was the first streaming and downloadable news for cell phones, served as interim president of MSNBC. And went on to transform global financial wealth management content creation. As editor-in-chief at UBS, earlier this year, her essay was published in the book The Epic Mentor Guide: Insider Advice for Girls Eyeing the Workforce from 180 Boss Women Who Know. Beth, it's so great to see you. I'm so happy you're here. And so impressed with everything that has been going on in your life. First of all, thank you so much for getting us off the ground and for coming back today.
2: Ah, Jean, you know, uh, first I have to say I've got Lady Gaga going through my head 10 million reasons, right? Yeah. Um, For all of these amazing listeners and shows and episodes. But you know, to me, I'm so proud of you and of this team because You know, 10 million reasons, 10 million conversations. Imagine all those conversations that women and families and all the people that you've helped along the way and that this team has helped. And it's so wonderful to see that it started with a very simple idea that we had. You know, there were a lot of financial podcasts and there were women hosting financial podcasts, but there was no one really talking to women. And what we wanted to do was have women learn about money and not fear money and start talking about money, right? And uh, you were absolutely unequivocally the best. I know I've always told you this and I absolutely believe it. You have an amazing gift to take the very complicated and make it so accessible to everyone. So I say congratulations to
1: everybody. Well, thank you so much. Tell us what you're doing now. I know you've not only contributed an essay to the Epic Mentor Guide, but you're involved in the organization behind it.
2: Yes, you know, it's a wonderful thing. You know, as we like to talk about life events here on Her Money, I got married for the first time when we were working together and went on to UBS. And I loved working on the women's segment research and uh, doing a social media campaign that I coined called Own Your Worth, Own It. We say we like to own it, but what you own and your self-worth, as well as the worth and the assets and money that you might have. And while I was at UBS, we took that research to Women in the World, Tina Brown's summit. And I met Alana Rea at the summit. And Etra Girls is an amazing organization. It's been my passion project for a number of years now. And Alana started the organization for young women and girls seeing that she got me with two statistics. Young women and girls between the ages of 9 and 13 lose 30% of their self-confidence still. And at the age of 14, they tend to have already dropped out of sports twice as often as the boys do. And she saw this as, even as we do in programming, you know, targeting an opportunity and filling a need. And it's what Hermione has filled the need and I feel that we're doing with Etra Girls. So Thank you for mentioning the Epic Mentor Guide because it it just came out for International Women's Month. It does have 180 women, but they answered 180 questions that we solicited from the girls. And some of the questions were very specific. And Jean is on page 79 answering (laughs) the question of uh, what are the three things that you should do with your first paycheck. And that's the thing that I think is so encouraging and great about this. It's not only inspirational and a lot of sage advice from women, and we're broadening girls' horizons to be a neurosurgeon, a nurse, an astronaut, um, an architect, a chess player, and... It really is that the girls ask the questions, and we found the best possible woman that we could to answer the question. And many of them, like your question, Jean's got a whole page because she wrote you a roadmap. She asked, answered that question, and she invites you to follow her. One young woman asked if she should copyright an idea that she had. She was nine. And we went to the, someone at 3M who's got over 130 patents herself. And she literally said, any idea that's a good idea, you should trademark as your own. And she took her through all the steps to do it. So I love it. Yeah. I love it. It's been fun. It has been truly fun.
1: That's amazing. And for those of you who didn't catch our podcast with Alana Rea, it was number 234. So you can go back and you can give a listen to that. And the Epic Mentor Guide is fantastic. It it has been really burning up the charts at Amazon. So if you haven't had a chance to check it out and you have a daughter, a girl in your life that you care about, it's a great, great graduation or birthday gift. Kelly Hultgren was part of Her Money from the Very Beginning. She's my co-founder at Her Money Media. Many of you know Kelly from the very first episodes of the podcast, but you might not know what an incredible skill set she possesses. Kelly joined me right out of college, right out of college. Working for me was her first job, trial by fire, and she spent five years working alongside me doing a little bit of everything. Then she decided to spread her wings and spent two years leading marketing and branding efforts for one of the world's largest financial institutions, where she managed content and people across multiple platforms. And I was so excited when she decided to come back to her money last year. Her title now is Chief Revenue Officer, and she is hard at work, on partnerships and business development. Kelly, tell me a little bit about your years away from her money and what inspired you to come back and join us. It's so good to be back.
3: Thank you, Jean. And hi, Catherine. Hi, Beth. It's really nice to be with everyone. So, as you said, Jean, I started with you right out of school and I was so lucky to. And after five plus years, with you, amazing years with you, I was questioning who I was outside of this. And I was questioning not only who I was, but what I could do. And I had enough questions that I needed to trust myself and take the risk of hopefully answering some of them and figuring them out. And I left. And I jumped to a really big bank who is in the midst of a pretty big reorg in launching their wealth management business. And I had incredibly robust two years working with hundreds of people and building a brand. And so that was one of the big takeaways for me in and, and my career so far is really confirming that I love building things. and love building brands and managing brands and helping connect people with those brands and brands to those people. So it was amazing to learn how a big bank operates at scale. It was amazing to work with a bunch of talented, hardworking people across all different skill sets, be it research and product design and development. And I ultimately learned that at this point in my life, I'm not necessarily a big company gal. I made it work for a couple of years and I learned a lot and I'm so grateful for it. However, I am impatient. Uh, And I like to work pretty quickly, but I'm especially impatient when it comes to all the work that we know needs to be done for women and more inclusive segments. And I was eager to be back here and really jump back into all of the amazing work that we've been doing for quite some time now and
1: just help as many women as possible. Of course, Catherine Tuggle is in the house. She's always in the house. Catherine joined (laughs) HerMoney in early 2018. She helped us launch HerMoney.com and our newsletters and took over podcast production from Kelly in 2019. And before she came to us, she had quite a career already working at Inc. Magazine, Fast Company, Fox Business, The Wall Street Journal. She's now HerMoney's chief content officer. She's our editor-in-chief. She's my co-author on our new book, How to Money. Catherine, the book I have to
0: ask, what's your favorite part? Oh, that's such a good question. I really love our emphasis on future you, where we have tried to frame planning for the future for the young girls who will be reading this book in terms of yourself in the future and how happy you will be 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road, 50 years down the road when you see that you've saved. Because I think so many of us grow up with saving and investing as this abstract concept and why would I wanna save my money when I can enjoy spending it now? So I really love our approach to that and then talking about future you, that this is, this is your money. This is your money that you are gonna enjoy and that you are gonna use, but it's just future you, it's not the you right now. And to me, that really resonated and I'm hoping that that resonates with the generation who's coming up now.
1: Yeah, I love this book. I'm so excited about it. And for those people who are listening, you could pre-order it. We would love it if you would pre-order it. In fact, we would be so grateful if you pre-ordered it. It is great for any young woman who is graduating college, graduating high school, having a birthday, getting started in her first job. It's a pretty breezy read, I think, when it comes to a topic like finance, Catherine, that is to your credit and to the credit of the whole Her Money team who worked on this book. And with that in mind, and with all of you in mind, we're going to talk today about career growth, about work-life questions. All of these questions came from our Her Money Council. Our Her Money Council is Well, Kelly, tell us. You run the Her Money Council. Tell us a little bit more about who should be on that. Uh, as many women as possible. The Her
3: Money Council is... A subset of our Hermione community, I would say our most engaged and maybe vocal community members, so many of them coming from our our private Facebook group, which has developed a a life of its own. It's amazing how much that has grown since the very beginning of it. Now I think we're at over 18,000 women in there, women helping each other on a daily basis, honestly hourly basis. Answering their personal finance questions, getting advice on career, investing, all facets of personal finance. So, we started the council in the sense of wanting to take our most engaged, vocal women in the group and elevate their voices and their thoughts and their opinions and develop a research arm for Her Money, which is a first. So, this year we launched the Her Money Council in part to also launch our research initiatives. And we did our first annual survey this past quarter, the state of women in 2022. Over a 1,000 women weighed in. And now we have a robust set of findings that we're releasing in real time. We just released the first part of the research in the past month. And you'll see more to come in the next month or so. And you'll see other surveys to weigh in on later this year. But the point of the surveys is to elevate our opinions, create headlines keep important conversations and national spotlight for longer, especially when it comes to wage gap and more timely things right now, like inflation and how that's affecting everyone's lives. And then in our bigger aspirations, those headlines and these conversations are hopefully going to affect more
1: for women in making change. Right. And so the bottom line is, if you want your voice to be heard, joining our council is a great way to make your voice heard. We're going to continue to do additional surveys throughout the year, throughout the coming years. We're also inviting the council members to special happy hours. Um, We've had a couple of those with hundreds of women showing up and they're virtual for now. Hopefully in the not too distant future, they'll be for real in real life. So if you go to hermoney.com, you'll see a banner at the top of the page where you can join the council. We would love to have you. All right, let's dive into these questions that came from the council. Beth, I'm going to start with you. What advice would you give to your younger self regarding your finances, your work-life balance, and your career decisions? Well, I think
2: that the work-life balance, as we've come to know it now, probably didn't exist so much when I first started. And there was a little bit of a Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers thing going on, I think, as I uh, moved up the ladder and became, as you mentioned, one of the first female executive producer at NBC, which you know I loved doing, but there was no one for me to model after. And that's why I love so much mentorship now because I think there are differences between role models and mentors. And role models we all admire and aspire to and I think we can learn a ton from, but it's not the same as having somebody on the other end of the phone talk you through something or help you and have your back all the way along. And I think we'll have different role models and mentors throughout our career. There's probably not one mentor for everybody for your whole career and I think evolving is a very important thing. It made me laugh out loud when my 11-year-old niece, I have nine nieces and two goddaughters, one nephew and one godson, who of course will be amazing life partners. But Janie looked at the book and she knew when we were doing it, but she didn't realize I was in it. And she looked at it and she said, Beth, you've had a lot of titles because to me, I'm just her Aunt Beth. I'm not any of those titles. And I like to think for young women now, You know, we're all perfectionists, I bet we can say that here, that you don't have to pick that perfect thing. It's why I love hearing what you just did, Kelly. As I said to Janie, I'm not a lot of titles, I'm a lot of things. And we all are a lot of things as we go along the way. And you shouldn't be afraid to come up with the one perfect thing because you may think you wanna do something. And once you get in there, you may actually, that may not be what lights you up. So be in touch with what lights you up. And what inspires you and what you have a passion for. And that's going to change and evolve throughout the way and find people who can help guide you and answer your questions. Because I think sometimes as women, we think we need to know all the answers. And as good journalists as we all are, I think experts have better answers than we do. We just need to ask the right questions.
1: I love that, and I love the notion that you're a lot of things, and when you jump from career to career, sometimes, or job to job, right? It doesn't all have to be a career switch. Sometimes you're just allowing a different portion of you, one of your other things, to jump to the head of the line. So I love that. Catherine, same question, but about money. What would you tell your younger self about money?
0: So I actually have a follow-up question to that one, if we could start there. Um, I'm curious what happens if what lights you up doesn't earn a lot of money? What if what lights you up is a very low-paying profession? And I would love to hear you answer that, Jean.
1: Well, I think we've all gotten very used to the notion of a side hustle. And it's become a kind of acceptable way to supplement your income. At the same time, this thought of passive income, of investing in rental properties, for example, that can continue to pay off years and years down the road, as well as so many other ways to grow your passive income stream has sort of come into the fore. And so, I don't think it's totally necessary anymore that what lights you up is the same thing that pays you a living wage. It's nice if it does, but as long as you're willing to do a number of different things, you can swing it. And maybe like I did through my career, you'll find that the thing that does light you up will eventually pay you more, right? So when I started out, I was told this story many times, but when I started as an editorial assistant, I made $11,000 a year and I had a side hustle, early side hustle, 1987 side hustle, right? I taught SATs and SATs, teaching and tutoring SATs paid me $20 an hour, which was so much more than I was earning in my day job, but it enabled me to keep my day job. And to live, you know, not lavishly, certainly, but pay my rent and do the things that I wanted to do. And eventually, it took years, years supplemented by freelance writing and other side gigs. It took years for my day job, my passion job to actually pay enough. But it eventually did. And so I think as long as you're willing to get scrappy, you can make it work.
2: You just were making me smile because my very first job, if we're not including my paper route that Kathy and I, my sister and I had when we were little, was a weekend assignment editor at, at WBZ in Boston while I was still in school my senior year. And it was $11,000 a year I made, but I did get overtime and I was there from six in the morning till midnight. And I got my paycheck and I said to my dad, I'm going to buy some skis because I had never had my own skis. And he said, One of my best life lessons. That's fine, Beth. You can do that. Congratulations. But never live on your overtime. Only live on that base salary. And I've always thought of that. Live within your means, essentially, is what he was saying. I will just add one other thing, too, because I think that when we're talking about what lights you up, I think that life does take on a life of its own. When you have a career, it takes on a life of its own and it's yours. But things just keep coming up and sometimes you'll just accept that next thing. And the most success and happiness I acquired going along was when there was something that I went for and I pushed myself to go for it. And I literally said at one point, well, why are you looking for someone else to do this job? I'm already doing it. And that happened three times in life and they were the most significant times. So you have to kind of feel it and push yourself. And uh, I do believe the money will come.
1: I think you're absolutely right. But it brings us to another question from our council members. Um, One of them writes to us, why does everything seem to be going up except for my paycheck? Is there a way to try to offset this inflation craziness other than just asking for a raise? And Catherine, I'm going to turn to you on this one, but first I'm going to chime in with what I think. And what I think is you got to switch jobs. Sometimes asking for a raise is not going to do it because your current employer may look at you and think, well, I'll give you a 10% bump. But in fact, in switching jobs, you can often get a 20% bump or more. I mean, I have several times in my career doubled my salary by switching jobs because they look at you differently. It goes back to what Kelly and I were talking about. All of a sudden, you're an adult in the room. You're a different person. You're not a known commodity. And even if you've been doing the job, there's just something about being new that seems to be more frustratingly valuable than not. Catherine, you want to weigh in? Anything you would add to
0: that? I would agree with you wholeheartedly, and we've heard this from so many readers lately. Honestly, we've heard this. Remember the listener who got the 92% raise? Mm -hmm. Um, These are not uncommon numbers, but it does require you moving to a new company. And I remember in one of my first jobs when I was asking for a raise, I went in very well prepared. I made my whole case, and I asked for a 20% raise because I thought I had been hired on the low end of the spectrum. And my boss just basically laughed and said, we're not allowed to give anybody more than a 4% raise. My hands are tied. I can't give you more than a 4% raise, even if I wanted to because of HR corporate policy. And I didn't know how to counter that. So I did eventually leave. I did eventually get a new job, and I would have loved to have stayed. But, you know, I think this is the reality of the times that we live in. You know, you go out there, put yourself out there, see what's available, and You know, maybe your company will budge if you have that counter offer. If you do want to stay, you can present them with that counter offer and then maybe you can get the salary that you want. But this hiring market is too good right now to settle for less. Yeah,
1: I totally agree. As we head into more questions, gosh, we've got so many of them, we're going to have to do multiple podcasts on these questions. But as we head into more of them, I just want to point out that we are so grateful to our sponsors, including Edelman Financial Engines, because when we talk about things like raising kids and caring for aging parents and planning for retirement, it is a whole lot to manage. And that's especially true when you're trying to grow your wealth at the same time. If you all would visit edelmanfinancialengines.com slash hermoney, you can schedule a free appointment with a financial advisor and you'll learn strategic ways to help meet your financial obligations all while keeping the focus where it should be, on your needs and on your dreams. It's only when you have a well-crafted financial plan in place that you know you're ready for all of life's competing priorities. So schedule your free appointment today if you haven't done it already at planefe.com/hermoney. I am talking with Beth O'Connell, Kelly Hultgren, and Catherine Tuggle. We're tackling your questions. On on life and money and career, I was actually really taken by this question. What's the best way to get back into a previous career at an older age, after relocation, after raising a child for 10 years, I work now, but it is not a high income generating position at all, nor is it the same type of career I was doing before I relocated. Any advice for how someone can get back into what they love? Kelly, I'd love your suggestions, but I would also just point here to the possibility of remote work. Relocating, it seems to me to be something these days we just do by choice. Elliot's daughter and her boyfriend were here over the weekend, and they're actually heading around the world for a whole year and they're keeping their jobs. They have set it up in such a way that they are doing three month stints in various parts of the world, they're not just going to continue earning money, they're going to be saving money because it's so much cheaper to live in other places than it is to live in the United States. And so I think you don't have to be hampered anymore by the employers that are local, you can just look wherever you want. Kelly, you've been doing that this year.
3: I have been doing that this year, yeah. So my fiance, Nate, and I, we have been living and working nomadically. We're both super fortunate to have companies that are enabling us to do so, but it is so liberating to be able to work in this capacity, be in different places if that's what you're interested in, and spend more time with family and friends, especially after the past couple of years not being able to see people. Like It's been an incredible value add. So Yes, I feel like that has democratized, I think, a number of different ways in which anyone could get back into the workforce in 2022. And in terms of this particular person's question, I've heard of companies offering, I think they're called returnships. Have you guys heard of these? Mm -hmm. Of people coming back in very similar profiles of having left the workforce at some point and, and 10 plus years later are coming back and companies creating pipelines for people who potentially have some education around the different technologies or systems that are now in place at companies that are similar to maybe that they were working for 10, 15 years ago, but are now using different systems and technologies, So I think that's amazing. And I think the companies who are offering those are the companies I would look for first, because that to me right there is just the type of company with the type of culture that I would use as a first like filter for potentially going back to the workforce. And then in talking with some of the women in our community who are in the same boat right now, I'm loving the conversations around them leading with what they have done and what they're good at, and not necessarily letting maybe the job description that doesn't fit exactly what they did before stop them from having the conversation. And that's easier said than done. But we know with women in general that women are less likely to apply for a job unless they fit, what, 80 to 90% of the criteria, whereas men, I think it's much lower percentage. And I, I don't have the numbers off the top 61. of my head, but... Yeah, sixty. But the point being is, like, don't let that stop you. Like, lean into like what you know you're good at and. Cultivate your story. Understand what you're good at and figure out your story and help contextualize it for that employer. But again, it's also on the employer to meet you halfway and it needs to be good for both parties. So I hope that employers who are having the conversations with you or are having these returnships are like already operating from that mindset. And then it's going to be a good fit if it's going to be a good fit. But I would start there in the search of like looking for companies who are, in my mind, being progressive and open-minded.
1: Beth, I see you nodding. Do you have some thoughts on this too?
2: I do, and you know so much uh, from what I've been reading in terms of the research of what's behind this great resignation. Oftentimes, too, is cultural, as Kelly's saying. You know, it's a toxic work environment that people want to escape. And I think women, as leaders, and it's proven there's data that supports that women are can often be better leaders. And sometimes I get frustrated that companies don't seem to care. They may be holding seats for women, but create seats for women because there's demonstrable proof that we literally create a better bottom line and more productive uh, work environments and keep people more satisfied as people are leaving. And people who are mentored uh, tend to get more promotions. And 90% of people who are mentored tend to go on to be mentors. So, you know, one of the best things that we found, Alana and I, when we were compiling the book, I have to say, is a lot of the women were in a pivot, if you will, as we've come to call it. And it was so critical of what we're doing at this time, you know, thinking that we were answering questions for young women and girls, but it's really for everybody. Because Dawn Porter, for example, who went on to become a film director with Oprah and and do a John Lewis documentary was a corporate lawyer at ABC and realized that she really wanted to become a film director. And that's what I'm saying about myself and all of us. I think we can all be a lot of things if we tap into those things. And I'm so glad to see that corporate environments will help with that because I think it only helps the environment for everybody.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Can I just say one thing about this idea of getting back into a previous career at an older age? I do think in some fields, that idea of going back to do what you did 10 years ago may just be a problematic notion. And I want you to think about the ways that the career itself has changed. Being a journalist today is 100% different than being a journalist was 10 years ago, right? The jobs, they're very, very different. I think if you are in technology it's different than 10 years ago. The languages are different. The skills are different. And maybe one thing you should think about is what would you need to do? Not going back to school full-time or anything like that, but what's the one course that you could take? Or what's the one thing that you could do just to tweak your skill set a little bit to apply it to whatever form that career takes today rather than the form that the career took a decade ago. All right, ladies, as we wrap this one up, we're going to get honest here with this question let's get some real numbers from the her money team how much did they have saved and where 401k etc at each age milestone 20 30 40 etc and i think guys this is a really important question to answer because i think it's important for everybody who's listening to know that you can a come from behind and still do it but b it's not a smooth trajectory and we are still learning we don't always do everything right and so for me i had no savings in my 20s in fact i've talked about the fact that i botched my first attempt at a 401k i didn't understand what it was i had that job at working woman when i left the job i I think I signed some papers and got a check in the mail on which I owed taxes, which I did not know at the time, but I did owe taxes eventually. I just went shopping. I think I bought some clothes for my next job. I was very excited about that check. But had I left it in the 401k, it would have been worth a lot of money down the road. In my 30s, I finally started to earn some money and uh, was a regular contributor to my 401k. I took a big step back in my 40s when I got divorced, but it was a chunk of preferred stock that I had been granted to go to Money Magazine that actually enabled me to put a down payment on a house. That I bought when I got divorced and then I started saving like a crazy person and so when I look at my savings now we often have talked about the fidelity benchmarks on this podcast the benchmarks that say that you should have about one times your current income put away for retirement by age 30 three times by age 40 six times by age 50 eight times by age 60 and 10 times by the time you retire. I'm beyond the 10 times. So I just saved like a crazy person, made up a lot of ground. And at 57 years old, I'm beyond the 10
0: times. So that's something that I feel pretty good about. Catherine, you're up. Well, first I'll just say, and I've said it on our podcast before, you cannot compare your journey to anyone else's I did not enter into homeownership until I was in my late 30s because I live in Manhattan. And all of my contemporaries, all of my best friends from high school and college who live in Alabama and Mississippi, they were able to buy a home in their 20s. And you can't really compare your journey to someone else's. And that's true of assets and career and everything that we've talked about so far today. I started saving in my first job, my first real career job at around 24 and it's ebbed and flowed i made some stupid decisions after 2008 when we had the great recession i moved a lot of my money into gold because i heard that that was safer and that i should have stayed you know in the market proper in the target date fund that i was in originally so that i could get in on that market upside that I unfortunately missed out on. But, you know, in retrospect, that was a really good lesson for me to stay invested and stick it out because I think a lot of times if you don't have those experiences, then you'll be more likely to make those mistakes later in life. So maybe it was a good thing that I made those mistakes in my 20s. I'm about to turn 40 and I'm not at the benchmark that you cited yet, but I am getting there. So we'll see, but I feel good about it. I feel good about it and I'm invested. I'm staying invested. So, you know, compound interest is on my side. And I do have a lot of those assets that I invested in my mid twenties that have just continued to grow. So, yeah, well, I'm feeling good about
2: my benchmarks. And one of the reasons is my parents actually sat down to do a retirement planning for them and they had me meet with their financial planner and I started saving $50 a month when I first started, which is minuscule, but it got me into the habit of always putting something away. And I think that direct deposit is your best friend. And um, I think that owning a house was a very smart decision that I made early on. When my dear grandfather passed away, my mom gave me a little bit of money. I bought a condo. I used that as a down payment. I bought a house out in Sag Harbor. And not having a mortgage and feeling good about where you are having property and just, you know, having enough. I think that we all have our space and our place where we feel good about having enough to live the life that we want to live.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And Kelly?
3: So I have two parts to this question. The first is a confession of being set up with a Roth IRA. My parents set me up with a Roth IRA right when I moved to the city and got my first job with Eugene. Beth, I was also putting $50 a month into that account, something. However, I wasn't investing it. I was just putting the money in and I hadn't done the proper steps and actually like turning it on. So I think that was one of my bigger lessons, a few years of doing that and realizing that I was essentially treating it as if it was like a savings account and not actually investing it. So for anyone who's just starting out in their careers, early 20s, I hope you can learn from me in that regard. And then Jean, I was so fortunate to be Learning from you, I wouldn't have known the importance of starting early and often when it comes to investing and investing for one's retirement. So opting into the 401k as soon as I could and and saving what I could at the time. And similar experience to Catherine, even though I completely agree we should not be comparing, but also living in New York City in my 20s, very different from many of my peers who were in their 20s in Arizona, buying property, having families. But I'm happy to report, Jean, actually, it was right after I left her money and had just joined my new workplace. I think I emailed you or I called you so excited to tell you by my 30th birthday, I hit that benchmark. I was one times my salary by 30, and I didn't think that I was going to do it. So I was pleasantly surprised that it happened, and I am now marching towards the three times benchmark at at 40 with Catherine here. So I I have some work to do. But when it comes to like, and we talked about property here as well, like that's something I'm interested in dialing up now in my 30s at this part of like, in terms of like renting versus buying, like I'm really interested in investing in real estate. And as you guys heard, I'm currently... Without a house, I'm I'm living and working nomadically, so I'm a little far from that. But in addition to continuing investing towards retirement and 401k and my Roth IRA, that's going to be my next focus
1: at this decade of my life. Amazing, amazing. Well, we will keep tabs on all of that. Before we wrap this up, Another big thank you to our sponsor, BCU. BCU is a credit union that supports her money. They provide a wide array of financial products and services for their members. And if you are currently exploring the auto market, you're looking for a new car, you're looking for a used car, you're looking to refinance the car that you have. BCU offers financing and refinancing options, as well as an exclusive auto buying service, which can help you save time and money in this very competitive market. You can learn more at www.bcu.org. Thanks so much for joining me today on Her Money. Thank you to Beth O'Connell, Kelly Hultgren, and Katherine Tuggle. Guys, it's been so much fun. It was great. Congratulations, team. Congratulations, Jean. Thank you so much, Gene. Thanks, Gene. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. And thank you to all of our incredible listeners for being with us for more than 300 shows, more than 10 million downloads, and for taking steps to be empowered with your money. No matter where you are on your financial journey, we want you to know her money's here for you. And if there is a show that you'd like us to do or a question that you have for us, we would love to hear from you. You can reach us anytime at mailbag@hermoney.com. And if you like what you hear, we hope that you'll subscribe to our show at Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review. We love hearing what you think. We'd like to once again thank our sponsors, Edelman Financial Engines and BCU. We produce this podcast out of CDM Sound Studios. Our music is provided by Video Helper and our show comes to you through Megaphone. Thanks so much for joining us and we'll talk soon.